On Macquarie Radio, NTS, this is What's Cooking with Nerida Conway, bringing you a tasty assortment of all things food and wine. Hello and thank you for listening to me this afternoon. I've got such a lovely show lined up for you. We're going to be chatting to Paul Rayner, who's the executive chef at the beautiful Middle Brighton Baths in Melbourne. Also Hilary McNevin, who's a food writer. James Madden from Flinders Island Meat. Hamish Gunatelica, who is from the Rum Diaries. Gosh, that's a mouthful. And we'll be answering your curly questions. Guess who's coming to dinner with Nerida Conway. And you're listening to What's Cooking on Macquarie Radio NTS. I'm Nerida Conway. In the studio with me is a very, very talented lady, a bit of an all-rounder when it comes to food and wine, Hilary McNevin. How are you, Hilary? Hi, Nerida. I am great. Thank you. How are you? Oh, good. I'm so glad you could come in today because there's so much that I want our listeners to know about you. And you have to excuse my, I'm going to go with Demi Moore voice today, but really it's probably more like chalk on a blackboard, if I'm <laughs> honest. No, you sound very husky and, and, and mature, very, well, very grown up. If you start I'm trying to me, I'll understand yeah. what's going on. I'll control myself, <laughs> listeners. <laughs> so tell our listeners a little bit about who you are and what your journey's been because it's absolutely fascinating. Oh, well, well, thank you. I have mm. been involved in um, food and wine all my work, my, I guess my working mm. adult life, you could say. I And, for, and also, thank you for having me on. Oh, my pleasure. I'm, I'm very excited to be here. But um, I started, gosh, when I finished school in Queensland in the mid Late 80s, actually. I'm not that old. But um, I did a hospitality and tourism course and ended up working front of house for about 15 years. Wow, that's stamina. Queensland, in um, sort of so in Brisbane and Port Douglas and over in the UK. I remember when I went up to Port Douglas and saved money and went and lived in the UK for oh, quite fantastic. a while. So you had and, adventures. Um, I had a lot of adventures. Which is a great thing about hospitality, isn't it? It is great. Yeah. I, I ended up doing a, a private catering stint in New York for about wow. six months in 2001. Came and, but from growing up in um, Brisbane mm. and then going to London... I went back to Brisbane after about three years and then thought, nah, I think I need to go to Melbourne. So that was the late 90s and I've been really been here ever since. The Sydney and New York was a, a stint for a couple of years in between that, but otherwise I've been in Melbourne nearly 20 years. Yeah, so, right. Isn't um, that interesting? You picked Melbourne out of all the places well, you've lived that are so fabulous. Well, my brother was here at the time. Mm-hmm. I also had a couple of friends who were from London who were here. Yeah. And there was exciting, I don't know, this was at the end of 97. Stephanie Alexander had just opened Richmond Hill. So yeah. it was the first. A bit of um, food hype. Food hype, but also she was closing Stephanie's and ah. hoping something more casual. It was the very beginning of that kind of culture. Okay. Est 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 was, was going nuts. Yeah. And a few years later they opened Lux, you mm-hmm. know, and there was this really interesting sort of dining landscape. Mm. My brother, who was here at the time, also worked in the industry. So I had connections here and there was certainly, with all respect to my hometown, mm. there was certainly a culture here that I um, wanted to get my teeth into. Yeah, right. Yeah. So I went, I started at the oh, at the Adelphi, then oh. I worked at um, the European when it was only a year old and, okay. <laughs> and it's a bit of an empire now, yeah. but um, Nerida, there was the office, I think, and Con Christopoulos and I have talked about this yeah. in recent months, the office for the European and the supper club yeah. was a, a bring cupboard at the back of the supper club. Sounds like so, my office yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. Funny that. And, um, but so watching them grow has been exciting. Wow. And then, well, my husband and I decided to have children. What happened then was I, I'd always been interested in writing. My whole love of food and wine had been fed by books and yeah. stories and talking to people. And, and are you a cookbook collector? Yes, I don't have thousands and thousands. 
I'm laughing because the only thing I'm no longer with my husband, yeah. and one of the only things we actually had an argument about was who got what cookbook. Oh, really? Because you know, there, there were hundreds and hundreds. Well, better there. than the toilet brush yeah. argument. <laughs> exactly. So it was quite funny. We did have. Isn't that mine? The Heston's mine. The Stephanie's yours. No, that's mine. You know, it was one of those. And do you crazy cook things. yourself? I love cooking. I've said to people before that chopping of onion and garlic at the end of the day for me is sort of a relaxing, Therapy. a relaxing moment. But yeah. I love to cook, and it's. For the kids and I, it's pretty simple. But um, when I decided to have children, mm. I couldn't work in the industry anymore. Front yeah. of the house, I'd done a lot of How wine exhausting. study, and it is not an industry conducive to mm. um, parenting. I mean, not to diss young people because they're awesome and the energy that they have and the enthusiasm, and they're not beaten by life yet. You know, so no. <laughs> so they've got that joy about them. Yes, but um, I think older people who have gone through raising a family certainly offer a whole level of richness to. Mm. A hospitality industry. It's maturity as yeah. well. It's because of circumstance. Yes. They are where they're at. Yeah. But as you grow in, into the industry, women and men of all ages have an awful lot to offer. But wanting to have children and working on the floor still or mm. be working you know, with wine or anything, it didn't make sense to me because I was also married to a chef. Yes. So he wasn't home much at all. Mm. So I went to RMIT and studied writing and editing there. Second year in, I started doing freelance for Epicure and The Age. So which, is, is, which is also, just take a moment, that is in itself incredibly difficult to get into. It's actually very hard to break through that and actually get somebody to give you a chance. Yes. So Look, I agree with that. Mm. And I, I also, I was lucky enough because I'd worked in the industry, mm. I did have some connections to mm. food writers and, and they were realistic. Mm. So the fact I was studying opened the door for me a little bit. Mm. But the fact that then I was given small opportunities led me to not go anywhere. I thought, okay, I'm in. I've, I've given talks about this sort of thing. Yeah. And to, I always say to people, once you get your foot in the door, do not move it and then yeah. just keep pushing it further yeah, out until you get it. in there. Love that advice. You have, you have to be determined. Yeah. And I didn't want to go back to the floor, I wanted to stay at home with my children yes. and, and work out how to make money. Yeah, love it. Thanks. Oh, gosh. So what are you, what are you working on at the moment? Because I know you're still writing, obviously. Yeah, I'm still writing quite mm. a few columns for different papers and websites. Mm. I um, have a started organising events for people, a little company called Pep. And honestly, it's about time. Because you think? <laughs> Oh, yes. I mean, hello. All of your connections, all of your skills, your knowledge of food and wine – and the fact that then you can write about it and get the information out so people know about these wonderful events oh, well, is the perfect thing for you. It does. I like to talk, as you may have noticed. And um, I also i have had a lot of experience emceeing events yeah. and, and moderating discussion panels. Yes. and things. So, so interviewing chefs and winemakers and brewers in front of a group of people is yeah. a lovely extension yeah. of my work. I'm, re I'm really excited about what's and happening. And so what have you got coming up that our listeners potentially could come to? <gasps> well, this Saturday there's a great event on at, sorry, this Sunday, the, November the 6th yes. at Copper Pot and Seddon, Victoria Street. Mm -hmm. Ashley Davis and Sasha Russ, the two co-owners and chefs there, are combining forces with Costa Nikias from La Serene Brewery. Okay. Now, the event's called Wild Food and Wild Beer. So it's How wild fermented yeasts, foraged food, wow. and um, we're going to interview everyone and have a ball. Oh, wow. That sounds amazing. And how can people, just very quickly, how can people get tickets? Uh, cooking Booking is the site I'm going through. Okay. So Cooking Booking, and if you just put in Wild Food, Wild Beer will be there. Excellent. And if you want to find out more about Hillary, Google Hillary McNevin yes. and you will find out, well, most well, of your articles. .com yeah, Hillary McNevin.com Yep, that's your website. And also, you know, there'll be a plethora of things that come up because I have Googled. I have stalked you. 
You're the You're one. amazing. No, you are. Thank you so much, Hilary, for joining us. And can we Thank get you, you back on another day to keep chatting because there's so many more things we could cover. I would love love to. No, I'd absolutely Excellent. love to. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thanks for joining us. You have been listening to Hilary McNevin, food writer extraordinaire, and you're listening to What's Cooking on Macquarie Radio NTS. You're listening to What's Cooking with Nerida Conway on NTS. And welcome back to What's Cooking on Macquarie Radio NTS. I'm Nerid Conway. Sitting with me in the studio is Paul Rayner, who is the executive chef at the Middle Brighton Baths. How are you? Very well, thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh, my pleasure. Now, you've got a bit of an accent there. Yes, Grinsby in uh, England. Okay. But you're not new to our country. No, I've been here 19 years now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm losing my accent. Really? <laughs> I used to have a translator when I worked at the Stokehouse. <laughs> So what brought you to our big brown land? Uh, I come over here um, to open up George's department store when it first opened in Collins Street. As a cook or selling pants? As a a cook. Right. As a cook, uh, as a chef with uh, Paul Wilson and Martin Webb. Come over to run the kitchens there. But why? Why did you come to Australia? Like, what made your decision? I'd I'd travelled Europe and I'd worked London and Mm. I wanted a new challenge. And so I just got married. I'd been married three months before. Is she a Pom as well? No, English. She's English. Yeah, sorry, yeah, Pom. Sorry, and that's what we call you. <laughs> <laughs> so we, I said, oh, you know what, we'll go over, give it a try for a year. Yeah. And then 19 years later, I'm still here. Wow, <laughs> Just got my citizenship through. Did your mum cry? Yeah, she did. Oh. She hated it. And my, and my family. But then they came out here and they saw Australia. And they go, ooh, and said, nice holiday destination. Because <laughs> <laughs> there goes our holidays. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know, it's just such a long way, isn't it? That's the only thing. When, you, when you're this far away, mm. it's, it's very hard. You've got to be quite selfish, mm. you know. And it can uh, be a blessing if your family give you the irrits. You just come over here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you got to George's. Yes. And? And after George's, um, I went to Stokehouse. I run yeah. the kitchens at Stokehouse for three and a half years. Yeah, which is just such an iconic, everybody oh. knows about the Stokehouse. Yeah, it's beautiful and a very nice place. And the guys there, John and Frank, great people to work for, yeah. vast amount of knowledge. And I was really good to work with them and, and yeah. the people there, you know, it was a really good yeah. setup and operation. And it's there. being rebuilt, isn't it? Yes, opens in November. Yeah, that's yeah, so looking exciting. Forward to it. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Looks good. Looks big. Looks good. Yeah. Be good things happening there. Mm. And then after Stokehouse? After Stokehouse, went to the Brighton Baths okay. and I worked there for three uh, three years, which is, another, again, another good experience, similar to Stokehouse. Yeah, look, I want to tell, so the reason I wanted to get you on was because I think the Brighton Baths is one of um, Melbourne's best kept secrets. Yes. Now, everyone knows about Brighton. Everyone knows about the Stokehouse and St Kilda and, and you know, how gorgeous it is down there on the Esplanade, on, on Bayside area. Um, but I've got to tell you, I didn't realise that there was the upstairs where you are, which is the restaurant. Yes. Oh, sorry. Yep. <laughs> I know well, that's really mean. <laughs> oh, no. And this is, this is, this is partly why we, we looked at it and we said, we got people coming in and said, I never knew this was here. Yeah, because when you go to the Brighton Bars, which is a big sort of brick block building next to the Yacht Club there, you go in the bottom and there's the bustling cafe and you sort of get your coffee and you go. And that's what I thought it was. Yes. And then when I saw the sandwich board out the front and realised that there was – actually, you just go up the stair, the secret stairs. That's right. <laughs> and then you go up there and it's this really funky, gorgeous space um, – Beautiful glass overlooking the hilarious people who insist on swimming in 10 degrees <laughs> in their budgie smugglers. 365 days of the year <gasps> yes. at 6 o'clock. And, you know, it is the most entertaining people watching to sit there. Um, 
you know, uh, when I was I was actually there, as you know, on the weekend because I just it's, I'm a big fan now, and um, sitting there watching, and this guy, he's all muscled up, and he was an older man, but he was very happy with his work, <laughs> and he had his budgie smugglers on. And he comes walking down and he sticks his toe in and he's thinking, oh, that's a little too cold. But he didn't want anyone to know that because he's too cool. And he's looking back at us and he's just kind of, you just know he's looking and hoping people are watching him. And then he does this huge, big, dramatic bravado dive in, clearly got an ice cream headache, scampered out as quick as possible and then stood there in the freezing wind trying to look cool and trying to look warm. It was just so funny. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm sipping on my Bloody Mary, <laughs> which is my favourite way to wake up on a Sunday morning, and um, eating my beautiful breakfast, um, which is just a, a great, great list you've got going there too. Thank you. So, yeah, uh, you know, it's just a wonderful – I think it's a wonderful thing to do for breakfast. But yeah. then, you know, lo and behold, lunch hits. Packed. Which is good. It's good for you. Uh, we've changed a lot with the renovations. We've tried to um, yeah. get more of a crowd, a different crowd in there as well. Yeah, it's um, a stunning space. Yeah, it is. But going back to the, the icebergers, mm. we actually get complaints about that as well. What? Some people complain. Because it puts them off their breakfast? Yeah. <laughs> really? It's disgraceful. How can you have people parading up and men parading up and down there half naked while I'm trying to eat my food? That can is we stop it? so <laughs> funny. Can we stop it? I can pull a blind down if you like. Just, just close your eyes. Yeah. So <laughs> Have a sensory strange, experience really. with your food. Yeah, it's a great area. And like upstairs is, is fantastic. So we just, we never used to do breakfast upstairs. And then we just thought downstairs was very busy. Yeah. We had this got great space upstairs. Thought, well, let's, let's adapt it to upstairs as well. Mm. Let people enjoy upstairs and see what we do upstairs in the space. Yeah. And so we've done it. And it's done very well. Breakfast up there now, yeah. but also lunch and dinner now has gone very well since the renovations that we've just yeah. done. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so um, one of my, I'll tell you a couple of my favourite things on your menu because now I've had a couple of them. <laughs> um, I love the corned beef hash. I know it's very kind of old school and everything, but it's really tasty with eggs and it was just so delicious. And also I loved the breakfast congee. Yes. So I grew up in Hong Kong and I love a good congee for breakfast. Yeah. And this was slightly different to your stock standard Chinese restaurant congee, yum cha congee yeah. that you would have. Um, and it had sliced duck through it and it was just really flavoursome and really delicious. Yeah. So yay for you. Oh, good. That's us keep them on. Yeah, it's very different, very different as well. Two different, very different things. We've tried to um, mirror things on the menus as well yeah. to adapt a lot of different cuisines in there as well without yeah. confusing the place. Yeah. And then also, just for our listeners, if you do decide to go there um, – there's a lovely sitting area kind of at the back. So once you've finished eating, you can sort of go over there and, and have a little sit down, you know, and just sit have a down, chat and Sit down, have pre-dinner drinks or have your desserts yeah. in there or just a coffee and a cake in there as well. Yeah. Dessert. Can you do functions there? Yeah, we do a lot of functions. We do quite a few weddings up there. So we yeah. see 120, 130 for functions. And it doesn't look like it's that big. Yeah, it works quite well. That's that's a good number. Yeah. Um, and that's the dance floor in there as well. Yeah. Because we've got the decking outside, people, a lot of people get married outside yeah. first and then come through for the pre-dinner drinks and have the function in there. Oh, it's beautiful. And we've got the private dining room as well, which is a good corporate area for about 28 people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So nice. it's just really good for our listeners to know about this place because, as I said, I, I'm, <laughs> I was excited to find it. <laughs> um, and then, of course, oh, my Lord, the crazy donuts that you've got. <laughs> They are like, <laughs> I'm not a sweet tooth. Yeah. My children are, but I'm not a sweet tooth. And yet I was like a sugar junkie. Yes. They were really, really good. So fresh. 
Do you make them? No, I get them off a friend of mine called Steve Nikoloff. Really? He used to be a pastry chef at the Stoke House. Wow. And he's sold all over, and I went, went to his place, and he's a, oh, he's a great baker. Yeah. And he did these, and so we go down every week, and we collect them ourselves and things like that. And he wow. only makes them for us and himself, and that's it, really. So oh, it's good. Well, keep well, him on. Yeah, very good. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, thank you so much for coming in to chat to us today. No, thank you. Um, this has been Paul Rayner, who's the executive chef at the Middle Brighton Baths um, restaurant upstairs in Melbourne. And if you are... Going to Brighton, it's an absolute must. And, you know, you don't always need to book. It's a good idea, but you can try your luck. Yep. And Paul will say hi, won't you? Certainly will. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to What's Cooking, Macquarie Radio, NTS. Now, it's My Shout with Nerida Conway. And welcome back to What's Cooking on Macquarie Radio, NTS. I'm Nerida Conway. And in the studio with me now is Hamish... Gunatilica. <laughs> Gunatilica. <laughs> Um, Hamish is a very good friend of mine, and he also is the owner of Rum Diaries, among another few different venues. Most importantly, though, he's a spiced rum guru. First of all, hello. Hi. Hi, Nerida. <laughs> Look, honestly, I don't like rum in the past. I've, I've, it's just not my thing. And for those who don't know, uh, Hamish has got um, Rum Diaries, which is an awesome, really laid-back bar in um, very trendy Brunswick Street in Fitzroy. So when I was in Rum Diaries the other night having a few drinks with my girlfriend, um, you came over to have a chat and you said, have you tried our rum? Now, I like rum in cocktails, let's mm-hmm. be clear. I love a good, what did I have, a pina colada or something? Pina coladas, daiquiris, mai tais. Yeah, pina colada's good because, you know, it's got protein. Egg. It's very healthy. Pineapple. <laughs> oh, so it's got the. Uh, it's got a bit of coconut cream in there. <laughs> yeah, well, that's right. Basically, spiced rum on its own is is something I've never even tried before. But um, I had a little taste, and it was honestly an absolute light bulb moment for me. Mm-hmm. It was. It was literally. I know it's really corny to say this because it's called spiced rum, but the spices in it were so fragrant and really made my taste buds explode, mm-hmm. and. Stunned and amazed to know that you make it yourself. How on earth did you become the rum king, which is now my new name for you? <laughs> oh, thank you very much. Wouldn't quite call myself a rum king. <laughs> Let's I'm go with de- it. Definitely a lover, lover of rum. But I guess, I guess it's all happened really organically mm. out of the bar. We were always making our own spiced rum uh, from day one. We've made lots of homemade ingredients. And now, when you say we from day one, what was your first? I've got pictures, visions of you. I don't know at home kind of as a teenager, sort of peeling potatoes and boiling them up and mm. I don't know. I mean, how, how did you, how does one go about starting to make your own alcohol? We, we actually take a, a finished product from Trinidad and Tobago. Mm-hmm. So a couple of years ago, I did a trip to the Caribbean, yep. uh, went around the islands. And, oh, so that um, was work, was it? Of course it was work. <laughs> but um, yeah, really fell in love with, with rum mm. even more than I was before and went to the, went to the origins of it. Yeah. And um, so then when sourcing, sourcing the rum for this, we went to the home of rum, the Caribbean, and um, we got our base product from there. And then we bring it to Australia and yep. we spice it here in Australia. How do you do that? Do you just kind of chuck it in a vat and put in cloves? And <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been it's been a bit of a learning process, and, and you know, there's been a lot of trial by error. It's taken. I mean, the bar is three and a half years old now. Yeah. So over that time, we've changed it and amended it. And we're trying to, and then now we're bringing in Australian native spices into it. So we're using um, uh, wattle seed wow. as well. We've experimented with lemon myrtle, pepperberry, uh, anise myrtle. But, you know, we'd like to bring some more Australian spices into it. 
Gosh, but um, it's, I love it's a bit that. of a trial by by error, I guess, to, to get where it is now. But the whole preface was that uh, customers started coming to us and saying, "This is an awesome product. Yeah. Could we buy some to take home?" And just really organically from there, we started offering it for sale online on our website. And then we did a crowdfunding campaign. I went out to other bars and did sold that to work? them. Yeah, we raised about twenty five thousand, oh, which was that's so amazing. Good. And uh, now we've got a distributor on board, and it's really been a nice organic process. So Gosh, you're we're so looking clever. to expand it's... it, and um, of course we have the original here, and I actually have a bottle for you here, Nerida. So oh, I'm bring it on. You can hear the cork You know, popping. I really hate this part of my job, that I have to actually taste things on. Oh, gosh, that's a good slug you've given me. <laughs> it is only like 10.30 in the morning, but not in the Caribbean. No, and that's in a coffee cup as well, so <laughs> no one will actually know. So when I smell it, oh, my gosh, I can smell citrusy sort of tones. So in, in here, the, the major spices, oh, we've got clove, beautiful. cardamom. Star anise, fresh orange, fresh ginger. Yep, definitely um, can smell the ginger. White pepper and black pepper. Oh my gosh! There's coffee, uh, the wattle seed. Coffee. Yes, co- whole coffee beans. Wow. So what we want to do is create a really full body, delicious, flavoursome spice drum. Let now, me this, tell you to our listeners. Not, it's not sugary and it's not overly sweet, and that's that's a really important fact. I agree, and also unlike. Anything else along these lines, which you'd have to sort of add to something. Yep. You'd have a mixer, which you could. Mm. This, with some ice, or with even without, if you're not an ice fan, mm-hmm. would be stunning by itself. And you wouldn't need a lot. No. And that's because we've taken a five-year-age base product. So this is a sipping quality product to start with oh. from Trinidad and Tobago. And then we're using all natural spice infusion process. There's no nothing artificial in there. It's all natural infusion process. Oh, and the flavour. So, so as I've swallowed it, it's got the beautiful. Not it's not actually like, you know, some rums strip the palate off you and you feel like you're breathing fire like a dragon. <laughs> this um, is just a beautiful warming sensation. It's not too over the top. It's really Christmassy. It's what a lot of people... It's really Christmassy. <laughs> everyone said we should be making uh, eggnog with it. Well, I feel like you could serve it warm. Yeah, and also uh, like some Christmas cake. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we might do that for a Christmas hamper, could you, maybe. Could you... Um, oh, my gosh. As you swallow it, it's as I say, it's just got this really rich, clovey, every single flavour that you just said, like warm ginger and orange. It's just stunning, Hamish. It is stunning. What about if you warmed it up and did it like a mould one for Christmas? 100%. We've used no, no, this... no. Don't pretend you thought of it. <laughs> Thank you, Nora. <laughs> no, we, we, we actually use it in winter in a, uh, a mould cider. Oh, yum. A mould cider. That'd be amazing. Yeah, it was awesome. How much of this are you producing and are you sending it around the country? Uh, currently, so we're up to batch 10. Mm. Uh, the batch has started as you know, 30 bottles in yeah. a batch. This last batch is the largest we've done, and that's in a, that's uh, 2,500 bottles. Yep. But that's as large as we're going to get. Okay. Uh, we're currently distributing to Melbourne, Adelaide and Perth. Right. And in the very foreseeable future, as in the next couple of months, we'll be going up to Sydney and Brisbane. Wow, so that's really, exciting. Really that. But in the meantime... Um, can people order it online and do you sell? Oh, 100%. Like, we're at a lot of the best bars around Melbourne, Adelaide and Perth, uh, also all the boutique bottle shops. So, oh, good. Uh, the, the small independents, we're not, not in the mass market as yet. Yep. Uh, because That's okay. We just want to... Good things are worth exactly. seeking just out. Exactly. Just do it, do it the nice way. So yeah. um, you'll definitely, you know, when you go to your, your best or your favourite bar, please ask for it and uh, see if they have it on the shelf behind you. Oh, gosh. And also, people can go to your bar. 
One hundred percent. Yeah, you can also get it online on the on the Rum Diary site if you yeah, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So please give out your email address to our listeners so that they can track you down. Yeah, certainly. So it's uh, Hamish uh, at rumdiarybar.com.au. Oh, that's your personal email address. Oh, okay. <laughs> yes, it is. Aren't you lucky? And he's also, although you have got a girlfriend, but he is also absolutely divine. So <laughs> you know. If you like the sound of Hamish, <laughs> he comes with rum. <laughs> I do come with rum. I want to say we've got something. We've got something very interesting. Something else that we've just started at the Rum Diary yeah. Bar, which is a, a rum club. Ooh! So people who love rum, um, instead of purchasing one bottle of rum, which is worth approximately eighty dollars at retail price, yes. for that subscription, yeah, we post three two hundred mil samples. Oh, it's your all door. different or the same? All different. Yeah, all different. So you get to try different rums, and then if you like one rum in particular, then we'll send you the full bottle that at fifteen percent off idea. retail price. And is it? Do you, is there a fee for the subscription? Yes, there is. So the subscription ongoing starts, or one off? No, it's ongoing. Ongoing. So if you sign up for a six month subscription, you get 5% off right. with a hip life of Spice Rum in addition, yeah. and 12 months, you get a full bottle of Spice Rum and 10% off the oh, subscription I price. Oh, I love it. It's like a wine so, club, but rum. It's exactly exactly like that. Wow. And I love the idea of, of being sent different ones to try, because you just wouldn't know what to buy. Well, I mean, exactly. I wouldn't know. I would never... If there was a gun to my head, I would never have said to you, can I have some of that spiced rum? But mm. now, I will go into your bar, and I will order some of that straight up because it's beautiful. I, I love it. And, and in fact, I feel like this particular one, it's almost a little bit of a shame to, to mix it up and put it into a cocktail. Well, next, next time you're in, we'll, think... we'll do a little flight. Yes! So we'll give you a few different spice drums as well. Is that a thing? <clears throat> yes, it do? is. Oh yeah, we, do, we do rum flights because we're about celebrating love rum. It. So it's about the differences between them. You know, and, and really enjoying that. Do you do rum appreciation classes? Uh, at the end of every month, we do different masterclasses. Oh. So this month, we're actually doing a tiki masterclass. So learning about the history and tiki cocktails that you can make at home. Wow. And also how to do all those amazing garnishes for your spring and summer parties. Oh, my gosh. And this is an awesome Christmas present, just by the way. Okay, I've just... Jump online, you can buy gift vouchers and all this stuff. Please email me. We're more than happy to help out. And have you got a bottle to give away to one of our lucky listeners? Of course we do. (laughs) How exciting. Or leave and sign it. Oh, my goodness. All right, to win a bottle, get on to whats-cooking.com.au and click on the win page and tell us why you would like to try some of Hamish's rum and we will pick one lucky winner and send it out to you. (laughs) And um, you're a lucky winner in life, Hamish. It's been a delight to have you in. Unreal. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks for telling us about your beautiful rum. No worries. You're listening to What's Cooking on Macquarie Radio NTS. The latest local produce for you to enjoy with Nerida Conway on NTS. And welcome back to What's Cooking on Macquarie Radio NTS. I'm Nerida Conway. I've got two special guests in the studio with me now. I've got a special guest, James Madden, who's the owner and farmer. I'm going to call you Farmer James from now on. Of Flinders Island Meat. How are you? Very well, thank you. And I've also got our good friend Ian Curley here. So I'm a special guest today. I like that. You're a special guest always. What, today. You, what is he normally? No, well, normally I, I, he's I, I, extra special guest. But I'm expecting rose petals like we did for you and a red carpet. And, then, and, and when I come in, it's like, oh, oh he's here again. And I'm like, what happened here? You know, I'm sitting out there and I'm saying hello to everybody from the other network and stuff like that. And then there's other people. Hey, hey guys. And they're going, what are you doing? I'm like, I think I'm a special guest today. There you go. Do we just need to rename it the Ian Curley Show? Oh, well, well, I've asked. But he has got his own segment. We lost all the sponsors. Right. We lost week. all the sponsors yeah. as soon as that happens. We yeah. can't give him too much. Yeah, that's true. Right. Now, James, tell us you're a farmer. 
Where do you live? Where, what's your farm? What do you do? I, I, I don't know. I'd say I'm a farmer. I grew up on a farm in Tassie. Um, my father and I run a, a company on Flinders Island, which is halfway between Victoria and Tasmania. And we have a farm. We, uh, we run the very small abattoir on the island. How big's the farm? Uh, it's about 800 acres. Okay. Um, so we, we run the farm. Various, there's other farms there as well. We run a, a very small abattoir there. And then in Melbourne, we have our own um, sort of meat distribution business where we sell our, our produce and other sort of high-end producers, mm-hmm. Tassie, and other parts of Australia direct into restaurants. Okay. Do you, is it a beautiful place? Yeah, you should okay. go. It's, well, it's um, um, have I been invited? Uh, well, I invited the big man here, and <laughs> he, he said, "I don't know about but no this little remote little friend island. of the big man." There's no golf course. <laughs> if there is, but there's only a few holes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's like, no, no. If, if I'm going to go been... over there, I mean, I love the idea of it, and I love the pictures of it. And Simon, my butcher, who who I love dearly, he's been over there, and he loves it. Yeah. But it's, it's wet, it's so wild. Into, and also you've got to get into a little lawnmower with wings, effectively. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The old flying coffin, they call them. It's only a 20-seater. Mm. It's, okay. it's, 20-seater's good. It's yeah, it's big. not too bad, but it's a very charming place, Flinders. It's... It's um, it's it's you know very country but very friendly. There's only 750 people who live there, but you've sort of got to live there for 40 or 50 years to be a local. <laughs> uh, Dad's lived there for five, so, so he's, he's a newbie. Yeah, he's very new. It's a very intimate place, you know, very friendly and and quite stunning. Like there's beaches there that are world class. And wow. I remember one year we went down to the beach for our Christmas party, and um, it was the most famous beach on the island for Boxing Day, and there was no one there. Yeah, you know, they have a saying if. If you go to the beach and there's someone at the beach, well, you go to the next one. Yeah, because there's a, gosh. That many okay, so why do tourists not know more about this place as a location? Don't know. Don't know. Mm. I, it doesn't have a very it. good hotel. It's not set up for tourists. Okay. It's, a, it's deliberately a, probably. It, it, it's certainly thing. developing. Yeah. It, it's coming along, and and you know us with our brand, which is Flinders Island Salt Grass Lamb, mm. um, which we produce there. That is, you know, starting to get into restaurants in Melbourne and Sydney. And What's salt grass? Just by the way. So it's Salty a word. Glass, it's a, it's a word that I made up um, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> to put it nicely. It's a word that I made up to try and explain in a single phrase what makes the lamb there special. And it it kind of doesn't make sense as a word because salt actually kills grass. Yeah. But what happens on Flinders is because all the pastures are surrounded by ocean. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very windy place. And the minerals in the seawater are actually carried over the island and deposited oh, they onto spray the onto the grass. Exactly. Okay. And that goes into the into the soil, into the grass. The lambs eat the grass, and it doesn't affect the grass obviously because it's kind no, of evolved. no. It's not actually the salt; it's other minerals right. in the um, in the ocean. But it goes into the into the grass. The lambs eat the grass into the muscle. Do the lambs get thirsty and drink a lot of water? <laughs> Like when you have a packet of salt and vinegar chips. Well, there's plenty of water there, especially now. There's been a lot of rain. Yeah. It's very, very wet. Um, but that's sort of, yeah, the word that we came up, we, we found that there was a slight, we thought, and we kept getting feedback from people that there was a slight difference in flavour mm, um, okay. because of that coastal sort of terroir. Do they taste relaxed? Well, there, there, there's a few things that go into, you know, the flavour of a meat product. Yeah. Um, certainly what they're eating is important, and this is across any yeah. uh, protein. You know, what mm. the animal's eating is critical. Mm. Okay. But also, you know, having our own small abattoir, mm. um, you know, we're Much very... Much stressful. Yeah, we're very focused. They're only coming from 10 minutes down the road. They're not on a truck for, for two days. Yeah, it's an exceptional product. Yeah, right. And it's just beautiful tasting. And you can... You can I, I believe you can tell the difference between that and... Um, 
other stuff that's out there, like the stuff that we get from them, and we get the whole name and, and bits and pieces of the whole thing. Uh-huh. Incredible. Okay. And, uh, super tasting. So do you make enough, or do you make, do you process enough lamb to um, stock many restaurants in Melbourne or Australia-wide? Oh, look, to give you an idea, we process in a year mm. what a large modern abattoir in Australia could process in a day. Oh, so okay. we, we do 200 a week yep. and a big abattoir can do 10,000 a day. So, Gosh, so phenomenal. Yeah, it's, it's a whole different philosophy. Um, you know, we absolutely don't look at, at quantity. We mm. really look at quality because without quality, we can't compete with yeah. the big guys. So, you know, we, we can only supply a few restaurants in the major cities, but um, when we do, we've got to make sure that it's the best yeah. we can possibly make it. Because otherwise, tantrums from the chef. Well, and look, I don't know if you've ever experienced one of Curly's not, tantrums. Not for me. Not for me. I'm, I'm a <laughs> lot more relaxed now, nowadays. No, it's it's great that we can work directly with the chefs. Not many farmers get to do that. Yeah. And um, it gives us good feedback, you know, because they tell us what they want, what they need on their plates, what they expect. And, and what do you do when it's being a smaller operation? What do you do when there's a trend, like, you know, when lamb shanks kind of suddenly became a thing yeah. and you're stuck you know, there's only a certain amount of shanks on the lamb well and then you know do you sort of have to adjust the price of the different cuts absolutely. accordingly so the the perfect example is shoulder mm. um, lamb shoulder used to be very very cheap yes. um, and lamb leg used to be the more expensive premium sunday mm. roasting cut yes it's now inverted, so our most exp- one of our most expensive cuts is the shoulder. Because I'm not a shoulder fan, I've got to say. What what don't you like about okay. the shoulder? Okay, I find it too fatty compared no, to the la- the leg. Trim down properly. You, there's a thing called the banjo cut. Well, then I find there's just too much bone that you pay for and not enough action. Well, you pull, you pull out the shoulder blade. Yes, but not at oh, the, not at the I, butcher. I, hit, I sent an argument coming they, on. They, <laughs> oh, I never. I've known never to argue with this man. No, no, you're allowed to have an opinion. I'm not well, saying it's not an argument. Well, if I'm okay. Right. So when I go to the market, right? <laughs> okay. So I say to my children all the time, yeah, and they just it. ignore me. Yeah. When I go to the market and I say a lamb shoulder, they put the bone and all on the scales, and of that's course. what I pay for. And then but it comes with the bone. I cook it, and it's it's all shrinks, and then you hardly any lamb, and then. I cook a leg, heaps yeah, more if, bang for your buck, and if, nicer, if less you fat. Cook, if you cook a shoulder without the bone, it will mm. shrink a whole lot more because the bone will hold it in shape as well. That's right. So that's it. And also it gives it a whole new flavour when you're roasting on the bone. Mm. And the thing with it is, yeah. I keep the leg bone in, though. Yeah, the leg bone, yeah. I mean, and also because the leg has got that much more muscle, yeah. of course it's, it's a lot less fatty. And also the fat, I mean, the fat you should roast when you're cooking it down anyway. But for what we do, we sous vide ours and poach them in a water oh. bath and, and well, all that sort of thing. I haven't got a fancy sous vide machine, have I? Really? Well, I want not? one. I think I everybody one. has one, doesn't I? I think the beauty with the shoulder is the fat. You know, fat is flavouring yeah. meat mm. and that yeah. fat just permeates all throughout mm. all the different cuts. And helps keep it moist. Okay, and I'm getting the message loud. Two on one, all right. Yeah, that's fine. So, James, tell us what you've got coming up in Melbourne with this man here. We do lots um, with the, with Ian at the Euro Group, and one of the events coming up as part of um, the Good Food Month yeah, that's right. um, is some Meet the Maker events at yeah. French yes. Saloon. So we're doing one with the guys from Cape Grim yep. from Tasmania, yes. amazing um, natural grass-fed beef. Uh-huh. We're doing one with Saskia Beer from yep. South Australia, that's who right. supplies really oh, incredible free-range and, chicken. and chickens. And, and also, like I've had her Palmer ham before. Ah, yes. Or is that black something? The black, black pig. Black pig. Yeah. Yep. Out of this world. Yeah. 
Yeah, Absolutely amazing. Absolutely out of this world. And that's Black Berkshire mm. Heritage British yep. Breed. Um, yep. Amazing. Yep. So we're and doing. The dinners are going to be fantastic. Yes. 130 bucks a head, wine included. And James is going to get up and talk. Are you? That's well, good. Well, not just me, you know. At, at the Robins Island, the Wagyu one will have a Wagyu producer. At the Cape Grim, there'll be a yeah. beef producer. Saski is coming yeah. herself for yeah. the Saski beer one. So yeah. be very intimate. I think only 20, 25 20 people. tickers. Yeah. 20 that's people. very yeah. exciting. It's going to be fantastic. Yeah. And how do people get. Can people still buy tickets yeah, or are they sold out? We're not selling them Okay. So. It's trybooking.com. Yeah. Okay, trybooking.com. Yeah. French Saloon. Okay. Well, James, thank you so much for coming in. No I think Flinders Island's going to be a thing now. Oh, thank you. And uh, <laughs> I hope one day I can go and have a look at it and see what it's like. And well, you won't, you won't be going with Curly. Windy. No. So far, you haven't really. Cold, windy. It's great for, yes. for growing lamb, but uh, <laughs> go in summer. There's, okay. no, there's no glamping and there's no five-star luxury resort there. No. Okay, I think I'm busy that day. Right. <laughs> anyway, James, thank you so much for Thanks, joining Sarah. us. Can you stick around, Ian? Yes, please. I'd love to. Great. Thank you. You're listening we can talk to talk about lamb. <laughs> You're listening to what's cooking on Macquarie Radio NTS. Curly questions with Nerida Conway and Chef Ian Curley. Oh, I love to see you doing My a little new dance. music. Oh. I am so wrapped about the music. I mean, the other one was, you know, a little mm, bit uh, da, 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 da. and uh, this one, I'm uh, yeah. I can just see you standing there wiggling your little groove thing. I can see it, and uh, I feel like I should be wearing a tight suit and uh, like something like purple or something. Nice. No, I would pay it. to see that. Loving it. So, <laughs> so that nice. music's put us in a little bit of a happy mood this morning. I think, it's, and the it's, sunny weather. It's important. Yeah, the, the weather's great, and also you know after speaking to James, that's fantastic. But also, you know, it's different, isn't it? Like spring's here. Yeah. Well, spring still has trying. Arrived. But but it's so much better to be heading into spring and summer. Yeah, we've had a rough winter in Melbourne. Oh, so long for all of you living in other states. Congratulations. Well done. Well done. Yeah, another one you can <laughs> we do love Melbourne. stamp on Melbourne. That's right, another thing you can yeah. gloat about. Yeah. Now, we've just been talking about lamb shoulder. We have. Some of our listeners may not have heard the last mm-hmm. session, but we were chatting about uh, lamb and lamb shoulder versus lamb leg. For the listeners out there, all this is protein. A so protein that does the most amount of work, be it the shoulder, the leg, is going to be the most flavoursome. For okay. the ones that don't do the work, which is the fillets and the, the lamb cutlets, for mm. example, there's not so much flavour. Now, people love lamb cutlets because they come in a little lollipop. Yes. So that's that. So anything very, with... very expensive. Good Lord. I yeah. saw it. it was some, at the butcher the other day, they were selling French lamb cutlets. Yeah, and I'm course. talking, they were yeah. almost the size of 50 cent coin. Yeah, we do it for my They were kids. really small. Yeah. And they were something like um, $2.90 each. Yeah. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah, like anything, you've got to crumb them. <laughs> and um, so there's the thing. So make them look bigger. Um, but there's the thing. So anything protein-wise, any meat that does a lot of work, like mm. chicken thighs mm. and, and the wings and stuff like that, they've got the most amount of flavour. The rest yeah. of it doesn't. Okay. And it's, and it's quite the opposite. So people think, oh, I think I'm going to have an eye fillet. There's no flavour in the mm. eye fillet. You know? And it's just, just tender. But whereas the tail, for example, or the cheek, that's the one that's got the most amount of flavour. Yeah, right. And I believe... Gosh, my cheeks would be full of flavour then because I just... Eat all day. Well, and there, they get a there good it is. And it is, that, it is that muscle to muscle as well, not the other cheek. So, so if there's so any cannibals listening, yeah, that's don't it. go eyeing me off no, for my cheeks. It. No. And uh, the, um, the uh, I lost train of thought there, but anyway, <laughs> I was going to say something I'm not going to, but um, what my thing with it is that uh, try and eat those cuts because they're, first of all, cheaper, more flavoursome, mm. but also. Yeah, you know, you're doing a service to the animal as well, so okay. I don't think what it is. What about all the other bits that, like the stomach? 
Well, I love offal personally. Mm. I think it's got the most amount of flavour. And and again, this the thing in Australia because it's it is the lucky country and the greatest mm. country in the world to live mm. in. People have forgotten what it's like to eat though the things like the livers and the I hearts hate and the, the kidneys. Texture. For me, it's the texture. Yeah, I I, I, I must admit gross. I don't do lamb brains. Mm. Right, and I look at it and go no. Nah. And every every time that they put them on, well, it uh, just the looks like a brain. Yeah, and I go, I go no, don't want to do it, and and that's the thing. So. My issue with lamb's brains because I'm, I've been assured that if they're cooked in the right way, like anything, they're really quite lovely. Mm. But oh, they, they remind me of bubbles, our cat. I mean, I I just feel oh. like it's bubbles brains because they're about the same size. Right, okay. And it just looks like it could be eating my cat's brains, and I don't really want just to. Just so do. you know, and I'm just going to put this out there, and, and we're never going to dis- discuss it again. <laughs> okay. Your cat is a very annoying cat. <laughs> so whenever I've cooked at your house for, you know, the cat's always there and annoying. And he is so irritating. Yeah, uh, he's like yeah. a fourth child. That's he's right. a Siamese cat. Yeah. His name's Bubbles. Mm. So he's a male. Yeah. So straight away he's got issues. Yeah, that's right. He wears a dress. Yeah. He gets pushed around in a pram. Yeah. He's the most tolerant cat, though, I have to say. Mm. You could pick him up by his tail and he wouldn't object. Well, well, you know, okay. but he does. Every time you're overcooking, yeah, you're making something. I don't overcook. Spectacular, <laughs> and you've always got seafood and things sitting around. So of yeah. course he stalks you. Yeah, that's right. Mm. <laughs> well, that's a shame you think that because I was going to ask if you could babysit him when we yeah, go on holiday. Whatever. Your children would love him. Uh, no, <laughs> I told my kids I'm allergic to cats because I don't. No, you can't. You know, that I own a cat. The cat owns you. Well, Whereas the dogs are different. And I, I'm thinking about getting a dog for Christmas. Bubbles is like a. Yeah. a Fourth child, yeah. and I think you should have one just well, for the experience. No, no, I can lend him to no. you. Cat hair, no thanks. Okay. <laughs> no, they're short hair. They're quite good though. Mm. And also the Siamese one, they look a bit. This I've seen those old He's cartoons back in the day, and they look a bit sneaky. They <laughs> they just look a bit sneaky, and that's the thing. I've seen cartoons back in the seventies, and the, the Siamese cats were the ones that you. Uh, there's something I don't know if it's 101 Dalmatians or what it was, but there was a you know somebody will be able to email in with what it was that slinky the, uh, malinky maybe could possibly. And the Siamese well, cats are very. Tricky. I've got to just quickly tell you this is so deviating from our topic, but I've got to tell you <laughs> like we always do. I've got to tell you this very funny story about um, my uh, cousin hmm? who back in the day had a something like a 18 kilo Siamese cat called wow. Fang. Oh. Like it was bigger than me oh. almost and bigger than one of my feet. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. and uh, Fang, there was an intruder that came in in the night yeah. and there was this absolute ruck. They were in bed asleep yeah. and there was this and this whole ruckus That's and on. they got up and yeah. Fang had launched himself at this intruder's face wow. and went or ganged them on yeah. the, you know, just attacked this bloke's face and he then ran out screaming. Oh, my God. <laughs> Pretty good to have yeah, like yeah. a guard An cat. An attack cat. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Wow. So some of them do are uh, worth their weight. Yes. Now yeah. back to lamb. Okay. Lamb, sure, so, sure. <laughs> because we're coming into spring, so spring well, lamb mm-hmm. and that was our topic today. Yes. Sorry I didn't tell you that and earlier. Me, personally, I prefer shoulder okay. to leg. You like leg. I think with the leg, there's just way too many muscles for me. Mm-hmm. And they kind of get – there's different bits of it. But what I do like is when we get a lamb, to actually bone it out, bash it out thin, and then mm-hmm. roast it. Okay. And then that way, you can slice it, and it kind of gets – I like that part of it. See, I always just slow cook my leg in the Weber. Yeah, just yeah, yeah, I get it. Fully a party and yeah, all that. But it's the same mm. thing with shoulder, as far as I'm. Yeah, I, I, I think I'm going to have to have a lesson with you. Mm. Like just if I buy a lamb shoulder, yep. and I'm trying to cook for say four to five people with it. Yeah, sure. How 
big Just should like I get it? 1.2, 1.4 kilo. Okay, with and that includes in. the bone? Yeah, with the bone in. So you're really That's... only getting about 500 grams of meat. Yeah, <laughs> the rest but, is bone. But the thing with lamb is... <laughs> That it's, a, it's, it's a gift that keeps on giving as well. So once you've eaten it and all that sort of stuff and put the bone back in with anything else, with the trimmings and everything, and make a little soup with it. Yeah, that's a good idea. And throw some barley or lentils Yum. into it and make a, a lamb. And, you know, all, and that's a really as per usual, idea. just finish it with a bit of yogurt because the, oh, there's a bit of fat that goes with, um, with, that. with the yogurt, uh, sorry, with the lamb oh. that gives a lot of people reflux. So finish oh. it with the yogurt and the alkaline and it will... Uh, that's such we'll a great tip. Mm. So if I take my lamb shoulder home, I mm. get it to room temperature. Yeah, but How just do I... slow braise it. Yeah. And you, and you, and you've got what do slow I put cooking? on it to prepare it? I'll, me personally, I actually like just dry herbs and the like, and a bit of cumin. Okay. Um, oh, okay. A lot of people actually, some people use chamomile tea. What? Because the chamomile tea, absolutely, it's fantastic with um with lamb. Okay. And I actually quite like that rubbed into it, rubbed in salt and stuff. Right. Like and slow braise it, and it's got a beautiful aroma. And when you say slow braise it, it's in my – do I need to sit it on – because some people say put potatoes yeah, at I the do. bottom and then sit the lamb on top of yeah, the potatoes. Yeah, the thing is the potatoes will cook in that time. But 150 degrees, the potatoes will still keep their integrity. Okay. But always bring the stock to the boil when you're braising. What stock? Well, you've got to stock – if you're going to slow braise it, you have to braise it in something. Okay. Well, so, you should tell me this step. No, well, the, bra- the braising kind of like – it kind of gave it away. You know, that's not a roast. <laughs> but some of our listeners might not know about what a braising is. No, if, well, if, if I was I going, got confused for a minute. <laughs> well, if it was roasting, I'd have said roasting because there's no, there's, no, there's no liquid. So braising okay. is a, with a liquid. Okay, so what liquid would I use? Uh, a stock or uh, you can use wine or you can actually use water. Because, okay. And it gives, so bring the water to the boil yeah. with your uh, shoulder and the vegetables and everything else in yeah. there. Yeah. Put it in the oven at 150 degrees and it will eventually fall apart you'll be able to know the difference because what you do is with the sp- back of a spoon yep. and just push it with the back of a spoon if it breaks away you'll know it's ready okay same when you do and do I need to cover it with foil or anything you can in the do oven? all the lid normally most people have like a lid for their um, slow cooker <laughs> anyway my lid broke so that's it well, they, well okay so it's owl foil <laughs> okay so that goes in there and then you'll know and bring it out but let it sit for a good hour and then you've got these the soggy wet potatoes by this point, what to right. do with them? Well, I'm, what I would do, I normally blend it in my KitchenAid, <gasps> and I make it into like Yum. a puree and all that. Like sort a mash, of stuff. yeah, and with all the carrots and the onions and all that sort of stuff. That's I, a great I do idea. It, and I blend it in the KitchenAid and stuff, or you know, the liquefier thing. Yum. And then comes there, nice mash, and then I don't serve the stock with it, but I use that as a soup for the next day. <gasps> you are the gift that keeps on giving. It's like mm. you could be a chef or something. Oh, one day. One day. If I practice hard you enough. practice hard enough. Okay. Well, that's all we've got time for. No questions? No. No, we didn't get to them. Oh, well, I can't wait to... Uh, <laughs> well, put my, my questions were about lambs. So I just want to listen to my music all over again. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for coming in. See you next week. See you next week. This has been Ian Curley from the European Kirk's Wine Bar and the French Saloon, and you're listening to What's Cooking.